0: Emma and welcome back to she's an engineer So today I actually have my friend Tiffany in person you may have heard her on other podcast episodes I believe there are three other podcast episodes that she's been on but today she will be guest hosting and I actually went to school with her at the University of Pittsburgh and we've lived together and now we're going on a camping trip tomorrow. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we are. But yeah, I'm a chemical engineering major and I'm currently working as an engineer and I'm happy to help co host.
0: Yes, so much fun. Okay, so today we are continuing our mini series on professional communication. And today's specific topic will be professional presentations. So we're going to discuss presenting a poster, presenting an actual PowerPoint. And what tips that we have in terms of style, in terms of the way that you word your material in terms of like where or how you should practice all this information, so Tiffany, why don't you get us started?
1: Sure, well, my first tip would be to use company templates if you're working for a company and you're doing a professional presentation within your job. Mm-hmm. But definitely use a template if they provide those. And if, if you're not sure, HR is a great resource to ask. They usually have that kind of thing sitting around somewhere that they can send you or um, someone in communications or marketing, something like that. But people, especially higher up people, they like to see that you're using, using the official presentations and trademarks and all of that stuff.
0: And if you can't get in contact with anyone from HR or if those type of people don't know what you're talking about, then probably someone that is working in the same department with you has done a presentation and probably can send you whatever previous presentation they've done so that you can use that as like a, as, as a template or, you know, as some like inspiration. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah. And then going on into stylistic tips for actual posters. So my emphasis is more on like research posters because that's like more of what I've done recently. I would say definitely use more graphs, use more figures in my posters. I like it. I like each box. So when I'm talking about each box, I'm saying like each section is like your introduction or your methods or your results. Each should have way more figures and there should only be like one to two lines of text per box, unless it's like your conclusion or your acknowledgements, I think. So yeah, just using a lot of graphs, using a lot of figures. Figures really help when you're explaining how, that, how you're testing your experiment. So how you're designing your experiment. You can even do that for methods. I really like it that way. They also say to use a minimum of 40 point font. I know that seems like fairly large, but especially when you're presenting, we'll talk about this later, but like when you're presenting on a small screen, sometimes like smaller font is really hard for people to read. So I just would suggest the minimum of 40 point font, even for your figure, what's it called? Like, it's like a figure. Your caption. Yeah, your figure caption. Thank you. See, this is why I have her here.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think that goes. That's good tips for presenting presentations, like at school or at work as well. Yeah, where you use lots more visual content. Yeah, yeah, a lot of visual content is really helpful. Don't don't add too many words because then people tend to try to read and then they're not listening to what you're saying. Exactly. So the more visual aids that you can add, the better. Even if it's just like graph, like little icons to represent like the theme of what you're saying or um, the basic, you know, idea of what you're trying to get across. But yeah, less words, definitely.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Also a tip for researchers, if you have a video of your experiment or like when you're doing the experiment, if you can take a video, that's also really cool for showing methods. So for example, if you're doing like a rat study or a mouse study and you're supposed to take a video for that, including that within your presentation, if you can do like a actual PowerPoint presentation, that really helps people understand like how your experiment is actually set up.
1: Yeah. Pictures, videos. Yeah. Visual aids. Yeah. It's Those are super great. helpful. <laughs> and then for
0: PowerPoints, if you're making your poster in a PowerPoint, my suggestion is to export it in PDF so that you can zoom in on your content while you're presenting, or you can make each section into its own PowerPoint slide and you can make it like pop out and enlarged when you're presenting that. But for me, I think it's just easier to zoom in because especially when you go back and you're answering questions, it's much easier to go back to a specific section rather than having to go back like five slides in or something.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I think that kind of goes along with something that I wanted to suggest about Professional presentations, as well, is that first of all, use the correctly sized slide for the screen you're going to be presenting on. If you're presenting yes. on like older projectors, they might be a different ratio than like a newer TV screen. Or if you're presenting digitally, like on Zoom or something like that, then you want to make sure that you're using the same ratio that people's computer screens are <laughs> so that you're filling as much of their screen as possible and not right. like wasting space. So first of all, do that, and then make sure that your content within those slides is sized appropriately. Because if you're presenting digitally, a lot of times people are on their laptops, and those screens are much smaller than even if they're using a monitor sitting at a a desk, or if you're presenting in front of people and you've got a whole screen, and posters are a whole different size. So make sure you're, you're being conscious of what your presentation how your presentation is physically going to be shown to people because that's really important and then if it is going to be in a small setting like digitally use those zoom functions to zoom into things if you have to show like a workflow or something where there's like a lot of steps make sure you zoom into each step so people can see those details
0: yeah Yeah. So they're not like straining their eyes to look at your content. Mm -hmm. Something that I will say though is sometimes when you share your screen, it looks a little bit different Mm -hmm. than like when you're just like presenting on your own laptop. So what I've done before is I've shared my screen with like a friend and then I'm like sitting by them at work or something and I will have them like show me their screen so I can see what it looks like on someone else's screen, especially if they have like different laptops because every... Everyone has a different laptop and I feel like it looks so different on everyone's laptops.
1: Yeah. I think we'll get into that yeah. a little bit more later too. Yes, but exactly. With, with animations or like zooming functions or whatever, make sure that you're doing, you're using tasteful animations. Don't overdo it with the transitions and do the ones where like your slide folds up into like a paper airplane. Oh and my gosh, flies that's away. Like, please, the worst. Please don't do that in a professional setting. Sometimes like, I feel like when you're it's in high for, school... like, fourth grade. Yeah, I feel like when you're in, like, high school or middle school or even elementary school, sometimes yeah. they're like, try out all the functions, and, like, they think it's cool when you use a different transition for every slide, but please don't do that in a professional setting. <laughs> it's just too distracting, and you don't want people to be distracted by your transitions. Right. And you want them to focus on the content that you're presenting, so make them clean. Um, if you do have, like, if you feel like you have to use transitions make them the simplest ones where like your screen is just sliding away or like a simple fade or something right. like that. But I tend to totally I don't like the simple fade. Yeah. I just leave transitions off most of the time. Sometimes I use animations because that helps with like that content, the amount of content per slide. And you right. can focus people's attention on whatever it is that you're talking about. Instead of showing a whole slide right. at once, sometimes you want to show it in pieces and then they can see the whole once you've like shown each step or something like that, but make sure it's tasteful. It's not overwhelming.
0: I think the key here guys is like just make it like professional. Like would you want to watch this? If you watch this in like one of your college classes and one of your professors like presented this, would you just be like, uh, what are they doing? <laughs> Who's so like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so ask yourself if I were watching this, would I think it's like professional? And if the answer is no, just keep it simple.
1: Or if you, if you don't think you have a good idea of what professional is, ask someone who you respect as a professional to give you some advice.
0: (laughs) Ask your friends, ask a mentor, ask a colleague, you know, it helps.
1: Yeah. Definitely asking someone to review something before you present it is a good idea too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I will say though, that I have used lots of like animations when I'm teaching though, but that's like kind of different when you're doing like a... Like a Chinese as a second language class for like six-year-olds, you know, <laughs> grabbing their attention is a little bit different from grabbing like an executive's attention. <laughs> true, <laughs> yeah,
1: true. I think so. I think we've covered everything we really want to talk about in terms of stylistic, yeah, things. And some a great resource that I discovered while in school with, or I think a friend suggested it to me, but it's called Slides Carnival. If you don't already have a company template or school template or other template that someone has given you to base your presentation on, totally check it out. It's great for inspiration and they have like example slides and they are really good at like giving a good amount of content on one slide. So you can kind of use those as inspiration for what you like use as and a basis. fill. In, yeah. yeah, and then fill in the content that you have. And they have lots of different themes and all kinds of stuff, and they're they're beautiful presentations. Um, they have great visual aids to like icons and stuff like that that you can use.
0: Yeah, we will definitely be putting the link to slides carnival in the show notes, so check it out if you are interested. I highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I think now we want to get into more of like actually presenting, like how to. Like now that you've made your presentation and and you think it looks clean and professional, how do you actually present it to people?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So first of all, if you're presenting in person, definitely use the notes function in your PowerPoint. If you're using PowerPoint or other presenting program, Um, notes are great for presenter mode. If you're gonna have like your laptop in front of you. But don't write notes that you will depend on and read right off of. You want yeah. to make sure you're still engaging with your audience. So just put, like, bullet points of the things that you want to make sure you cover, especially if you're using visual aids in your slides and not a lot of text, then make sure you write the, the points in text that you need to make sure you get across. And sometimes it helps if you are you got a little stage fright. It'll, like, give you the words to start talking about it, right. which is helpful sometimes. Yeah,
0: definitely don't do it, like, word for word. and no. like Because... People can really tell when you're trying to memorize, like, an entire script, and that just, like, doesn't look good. It doesn't look like you know what you're talking about.
1: And generally, if you're giving a presentation, you probably know what you're talking about because you've been working on a project or something for a long time, and you know all the information. It's just, you know, making sure you put it into words. (laughs)
0: Yeah, making sure you prove that to, like, everyone else that you're presenting to. Mm -hmm. But, yes. And if you're... So if you're presenting in person, just put it in notes. But then if you're not, you can just put it in a different document, you know, if you want to and put it on a different screen.
1: Yeah. A screen that you're not sharing. Yeah. So that's... make sure you don't share that screen. <laughs> yeah. Share your presentation on one screen. And yeah, I I have like three screens at my desk <laughs> at work. And some, so then I have like, I have my screen where I have everybody's faces so I right. can watch their reactions as if I'm like in in person. And then I have a screen that is my presentation and then I have another screen that's like my bullet points of what I need to cover in the presentation.
0: I think that's really good too because also sometimes when you're presenting, it's really hard to like look at the chat. Maybe if you're doing a Mm -hmm. like a a presentation over Zoom or something else like Teams or like WebEx, sometimes it's really hard to like keep track of the questions that people are asking. So like having that and like the... Like audience or the attendees on a different
1: screen is really helpful. Yeah. And also it's good to, if people have their video on, you want to see their reactions. Like you want to see if right. they're nodding along or they're kind of like squinting at the screen so you can zoom in if you need to, things right. like that. So if you if you are capable of it, definitely make sure you have multiple screens so that you can kind of keep tabs on those things as well. Like you would be able to in person because right. they're sitting in front of you. But yeah. I will say though, as a note, presenter mode. So like
0: if you're presenting like in person, you know how you do like presenter mode and like you're projecting. So they only see like the slides and you can see the notes as well. That doesn't work when you're sharing your screen over a Zoom. A couple of friends that I know have learned that the hard way. So I will say like
1: that's probably one screen. If you
0: only have one screen, that's really hard to do. So if you only have one screen, I would suggest just to like...
1: Maybe print out yeah. some notes or something like that to have in front yeah,
0: of you. Yeah, have it on your phone or print it out. Just some sort of other medium because obviously... I mean, or you can share half your screen, but I
1: think that sometimes... That seems a little good. more complicated. Yeah. yeah, I would rather... There's lots of options. Test them out before you present. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Also, using notes. Make sure to use the notes to only say what is essential your presentation something else we want to talk about leave room for questions Mm.
0: and we're not saying leave time for questions but you should do that as well but we're saying like leave out things that are like extraneous that you might not want to put in your main presentation but you know that people could ask questions about
1: yeah or just like like those extra details that you know but maybe your boss's boss doesn't need to know right now. Yeah. And if they want to know, they'll ask you a question about it. So right. you can leave room for those questions by just like leaving out those like extra details. Just cover cover what you need to cover and that's it. And leave the details for questions, whatever it is that people want, specifically want to know more about. They right. can ask you those questions. Right.
0: Yeah. I will say like maybe as an example for all of you guys, this is more related to research though is like for a specific experiment like maybe you describe like what experiment you're doing but you don't ex- describe the exact methodology or like the sex of the animals that you're using in the experiment but you have that information with you but you don't necessarily put that in your presentation or put that like while you're talking about your main information The people who are interested in learning more about the sex of the animals or how you actually ran the experiment they can ask you and then you can answer those questions later
1: yep yeah along with that I think it's another thing about knowing your audience is making sure that you don't use jargon I mm-hmm. think that yes. tends tends to be more specific to scientific realms a lot of times scientists have a hard time not using the jargon that they use every day especially if you
0: understand them like yeah so clearly and you think everyone else understands them but but not everybody every
1: yeah not everybody's Spending all day every day in the experiment that you are so they don't necessarily understand what you're right. saying. But that goes for professional presentations as well. I think not not everybody in management especially knows what it is that you as an engineer do on a day-to-day basis. And right. so make sure you cut down on that jargon. And one tip for that is just give your presentation to somebody who doesn't know anything about what you're talking about like a friend who is not an engineer or a friend who is an engineer, but in a different field. field. Yeah. Yeah. Ask them if you can practice with them and give your presentation and see if they understand what you're saying and they can, they can just stop you and be like, Hey, I don't know what you're talking about. This doesn't make sense to me. And then maybe you can rethink how you're going to do your presentation.
0: Right. I think that's like a great tip. Yeah. I definitely do endorse the practice with a friend thing. Like, especially people who Who aren't in your specific field. I -hmm. think that really helps. But sometimes you know. You should know your audience though. Like if your audience will be people. Who like do are in your specific field. Like if you're going to Mm -hmm. like a, a. conference or like a scientific conference where everyone is in the same field as you then I think it's okay it's appropriate more jargon because like why take the time to explain those things that other people already understand and like Mm -hmm. take away from like the main point of your presentation
1: yeah and sometimes you have like managers who have technical backgrounds or are more involved in the technical aspect of a company so know know who you're presenting to and kind of also know their background. So how much do they know? How much jargon can you get away with? Right.
0: I think we covered like a lot of the stuff with presenting, but Mm -hmm. you should definitely, I would say like the last note is you should definitely practice presenting.
1: Practice makes perfect.
0: Yes. (laughs) But not only practice like presenting by yourself, but practice with the programs or whatever like technical systems you're using Mm -hmm. to present like test those functionalities. I know like on WebEx specifically, there's like a test room function. So it gives you like ten minutes to actually test sharing your screen, test your presentation, and you can do that more than once. And I think that's helped for me, like get all like my technical ducks in an order mm-hmm. to make sure that everything goes smoothly before the presentation actually starts. Mm-hmm. But what about in person?
1: Yeah, if you're in person, if you know where you're going to be presenting and you have access to that room in that system, definitely go check out the AV system. Yeah, know how to plug in your computer and how to turn the sound on if you need sound. All of those things. If you need to like switch between your presentation and like a document camera or some other, fun- like video functionality, yeah. make sure you know how to do all of those things before you present because. It's, you seem much more professional when you do those transitions seamlessly and you're not taking up people's time by stopping and trying to figure out how to make something work.
0: Right. Especially if you can just, like, walk in the room, plug in your stuff, have everything ready. I think mm-hmm. that looks really good on you. Like, it makes you look very prepared.
1: Mm-hmm. But Especially if like there's a transition from another presentation to right. your presentation. Exactly. Make sure you are ready to go yeah. at the end of their presentation and you're not fumbling around with cords and stuff. Like, you've yeah. already kind of experienced that setup process so you know exactly where to go and where to find exactly. the things and do it Yep.
0: yeah and then the last one we'll say is like if you're doing an in-person poster presentation practice like in the room that you're presenting in and if you if you have access to the room right mm-hmm. like definitely try to get their early practice by yourself or like if you're pre- if you're doing it with your team Get everyone there early and practice with your whole team so that you can, Mm -hmm. you know, like how you're going to work together, like in person. Mm -hmm. And then I know Tiffany had a great tip for, for practicing in like a specific environment.
1: Yeah. So at school, one environment that's pretty common was an expo. And expos are just, like, a bunch of teams set up in a ballroom, and it is so yeah. loud. You need it's to really stand out to loud. get people to, like, come to your posters, too. Yeah, so there's, there's like, a whole design of posters and, like, your, your setup of what your table looks like, your presentation table looks like, right. to, like, draw people's attention to your project, but also once they come, you need to be able to communicate with them effectively and if it's really loud, practice in a loud place. Like bring a friend who's willing to spend their time listening to you give your little pitch or whatever to a loud place, like a cafeteria or something. Right. And practice your presentation there so you can practice your volume of voice right. and also using using motions and you know, gesturing towards props that you have or your poster and information on your poster, making sure that you, you know where those things are physically and then also that you can communicate it well by having the right volume. Yeah,
0: sometimes you get to pick your spot, too, so make sure you pick
1: a good spot. But if you if you get that choice, yeah, yeah definitely
0: if, pick a good spot. Most of the time you don't get a choice, though. I remember right. one year I was, like, stuck in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind
1: of bad. Yeah, well, the corner is, like, one of those things where it's quiet, but then also nobody comes there. That's why it's quiet.
0: <laughs> like, like, it's at the end of, like, a specific column, and, like, everyone's done by the time they, like, get to you, get to the yeah. end of your column or your row or whatever,
1: Yeah. But, yeah. But, and if it's your first time doing something like that, ask for advice from people who've done it before. A lot of times there are people, especially in school, there's people who have gone to multiple expos or yeah, for conferences sure. and they can give you some tips on, you know, where the best spots in the ballroom are or whatever, so...
0: I guess, like, the key takeaway is just, like, get lots of feedback, whether Mm, or not it's, like, your actual presentation, like, your physical presentation, like, the content in your presentation or the style of your presentation and even, like, how you are presenting it.
1: Yeah, the language you use, all of it. Practice and get feedback, for sure.
0: Yeah, most of the time they'll let you set up early, too. I know for the expo, we Mm -hmm. were allowed to set up, like, a day before, Mm -hmm. so we made sure to bring all of our stuff that we needed the mm-hmm. day before so that we weren't like fumbling around with everything the day yeah,
1: of setting up your your display and making sure you know where people are going to stand yeah. and all of that
0: it was really important because some of the places didn't have like actual stands for the posters so we had to like bring our own mm-hmm. and we didn't know that until we got there so it was good that we went a day early and then also we didn't have like any Place to like put our props at some point so we had to like make items so that we made sure our props like stood out
1: yeah don't assume anything right always check up
0: on yeah what
1: what resources you have and yeah
0: what they're providing you mm-hmm. if you
1: have like access
0: to power cords or outlets or something like that mm-hmm. yeah any last
1: tips for presentations i don't know just my biggest thing is please don't use stupid animations. <laughs> <laughs> you just really hate the animations. I just... Well, I don't hate animations. I think there is a place for animations for sure. But I think that people... People use those silly little functions because they're there. Right. And they shouldn't be used. It kind of distracts
0: from the main point of the presentation. Although, I will say... You know that podcast that you recommended to me? Uh, which It was one? like... Caution. Oh, was, cautionary was, tales. Was it cautionary tales? I don't remember. It might have been cautionary tales, but I was listening to one of the episodes and they said that like some researchers had done a study for like college students and for like professor slides for college students and they tested like the knowledge gained by the students depending on like what type of presentation the professor used. And they found that like harder to read fonts or like different fonts, like Comic Sans, which is like my least favorite font, (laughs) because I think it looks like extremely unprofessional, was actually like the was actually like actually made the students retain more information than if they harder to understand it than if they were using like Times New Roman. (laughs) But you know that's like for like content gaining for you right like uh, for like don't please don't use comic sans uh, uh, and, uh, please, please don't take that away from this conversation <laughs> yeah.
1: your impression matters a lot more than if someone retain i mean someone's gonna at that Difference is probably pretty minuscule. Yeah, probably. Also. (laughs) Is
0: this why one of my professors used yellow Comic Sans in one of his presentations? Oh, girl! It was, like, literally the worst. (laughs) There's a fine line between, like, making it harder to read so that students, like, will retain more knowledge and actually not making it readable.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Mm. I think that's all the tips I've got. I think that's it too for
0: me. But thank you so much for being on the podcast of again. Of course. You're our like unofficial
1: like third host now. <laughs> I will gladly accept that position. Oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> so thank you guys so much for listening to our third episode of our professional communication mini series. Let us know if you would like to hear any other topics within this like professional communication umbrella. And thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.